two generations. One passion. This is Generation Red. Unfortunately, we're back, Husker fans, with another episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker fan podcast, where we try to keep it sweet, but damn it, tonight is probably going to get a bit salty. I am your emotionally exhausted host, Ken. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> welcome to the shit show. That's pretty much <sighs> it. <laughs> um, well, Husker Nation... Um, before we roll into this giant sandwich, um, what do you say we go through top 25 notable games to just kind of ease into it a little bit here, um, and reflect on teams that find ways to win, um, so that we can live vicariously through their success, since as Husker fans, we don't see that very often, especially considering that. 75% of all of the one-score games that we find ourselves in, we lose. Uh, Which it seems like more than that, to be honest. But let's just roll into this. Let's roll into the top 25 notable games. I've got six right here in front of me that I found to be most particularly interesting. Although there are a few. Honorable mentions would probably be something along the lines of well iowa state lost to baylor um let's see what else do we got here yeah boohoo um let's see yeah oklahoma state beats kansas state not a big deal there don't really care and yeah georgia tech beats north carolina once again don't really care not all that interesting but um those are honorable mentions and for the first game I'm going to mention is going to be Notre Dame putting the smackdown on Wisconsin. Both top 25 teams, Notre Dame at number 12 and Wisconsin at number 18. Notre Dame pulled away from Wisconsin in the second half, beating them 41 to 13 on just incredible, on incredibly athletic uh, mishaps, I would say, on Wisconsin's side. But then uh, Notre Dame just showing dominance over Wisconsin. It was a great game to watch. Um, yeah, it was fun. And then it was a fun game. And Graham Mertz still looks like... Ass. Yeah, the most underwhelming quarterback in the Big Ten right now. Um, just in just in regard to expectations, you know, like just most underwhelming quarterback considering the expectations. So let's move on. Let's go to number five. Iowa survives against Colorado State, where Colorado State was actually leading going into halftime 14-7, to but Iowa outscores them by 17 points in the second half, winning 24-14. to 
So Iowa's defense uh, clearly showed that they uh, were able to get their head on the right track in the second half and were able to uh, culminate some points on their offense and still showed that they are definitely worthy of their top 10 ranking. Um, Number 16, Arkansas. They're looking damn good this year, my man. Like, Arkansas just looks great. Um, They end up overcoming number seven, Texas A&M, beating them 20 to 10. And I'm just kind of uh, excited for Arkansas because there's nothing more entertaining to me than watching who has been presumably an underdog for well over a decade um, coming out of the coming out of the ashes and proving that they can contend again. So I'm happy for Arkansas. And moving on, unranked, unranked NC State, North Carolina State upsets number nine Clemson in a double overtime exciting game, 27 to 21. Um, I know that people had been talking about that Clemson could find themselves in quite a predicament against NC State because NC State does look pretty good this year. Um, Yes, they do. But Clemson, good God, I don't know what is going on with their offense, but they just look awful. And their defense is clearly giving up on their offensive lack of performance. Um, And honestly, they just got got ran out of the – Ran out of the woodshed. <laughs> Shout out to Michigan State. Um, yeah, so uh, moving on. Number 19, Michigan survives against Rutgers. That was an exciting game. Uh, Michigan's surefire offense was clearly held back by Rutgers' defense this game, and they had to work really hard to get that win. Rutgers was hanging on by a thread for most of the game, but Michigan proved their worth against the Scarlet Knights, beating them 20-13. to 13. So last here on my list is a game at which, uh, let's see, they found a way to win, you know, kind of that, kind of that whole narrative. Wouldn't that be nice for us? But number four, Oklahoma survives against West Virginia, trailing the entire game up until their game-winning field goal. Uh, surviving against West uh, West Virginia, sixteen to thirteen, um, which in that game their crowd was uh, chanting against uh, Spencer Rattler. At a certain point, I I think they said we want Caleb or something like that for their wow. um, their highly touted, highly ranked uh, recruit. I think he was like the number one overall quarterback recruit. From what I understand, um, Caleb something. I don't know. I didn't look it up. Didn't really care. But yeah, they were chanting against uh, chanting chanting against Spencer Rattler. And honestly, man, I kind of felt for the guy a little bit. Not gonna lie. Um, you could just see his face as he was practicing throwing on the sideline while the crowd chanted against him. And you just yeah. you just don't you just don't like to see that. Um, I know that. Husker Nation has been uh, <laughs> guilty of that chanting Luke um, in the Iowa game, a la twenty nineteen. But uh, yeah, it was it was just a a sight to see. But 
Yeah, well, we've been guilty of that a lot of years, though. When we've, uh, it seems like the most popular person on the team is always the backup quarterback, and we've done that oh, yeah. a lot before too. You know, but yeah, no, OU survives sixteen to thirteen. Wow, crazy! And then another game I happened to be watching last night after I was done uh, being completely pissed off at our game was uh, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. Good grief, Oregon State absolutely smoked or at least was at the time i went to bed 42 to 24 they were smoking uh usc who has former defensive back coach for nebraska in dante williams as their interim head coach after firing clay helton so uh and that defense looked awfully familiar defensive backs who didn't want to tackle and a defensive line that was just getting pushed all over the field so (laughs) surprise surprise right and then of course Oregon State had a guy named Avery Roberts playing linebacker, and he was all over the field making plays. And I believe Ty John Lindsay had at least two touchdown catches at wide receiver. So uh, it's not an indictment against Frost. It's just a nice. It's nice to see kids who had talent who were here, and decided this wasn't the place for them go somewhere to be successful. Uh, yep. So kudos to those kids. Great win yesterday. I'm assuming they won the game. I couldn't keep my eyes open because I'm old. And uh, I had to go to bed yes. to be able to get up and get on the road today. So um, they did anyway. win. Yep, they beat them forty-five to twenty-seven. And yes, Tyjon Lindsay had five receptions for one hundred and two yards with two touchdowns to account for that. Yeah. Well, same thing. Shout out to uh, shout out yep. to Wandale Robinson who is playing stoutly for Kentucky. He's playing well. Um, yeah, that's good. He's playing well. Good for him. Good for him. Luke, on the other hand, <laughs> I think how's he's he doing at Rice now? <laughs> Again, I think so. <laughs> oh man, oh man. Well, we've avoided what? it long enough, son. Go ahead. All right, bring the pain. All right, Husker Nation. Nebraska, they played a great game against the 20th ranked Michigan State Spartans with plenty of things. Plenty of things, mostly defensive, that were good to see. But as the story of Nebraska goes, we find the most absurd ways to lose games. We managed to keep Kenneth Walker III under to only 61 yards on 19 carries with only 71 total yards rushing across the Michigan State offense. And we kept the entire Michigan State offense to only 250-ish yards, 254 total yards of offense compared to our 442 yards of total offense we forced a turnover on the first drive of the game came away with exactly zero points after we went three and out because of an adrian martinez sack a run for no gain and a five yard run from uh yeah five yard run for martinez three and out we had a chance to build momentum from the get-go right out of the gate and we produced nothing Michigan State managed to get a 13 managed to get 13 points on the board compared to our 10 before halftime, finishing the half with a blocked field goal. All right. Cool. But as the tale of two halves seemed to permeate our program, this is where the absurdity takes over. Our defense, <laughs> who played a pretty impressive first half, excel their dominance in the second half by holding Michigan State to only 14 total yards of offense for the second half with exactly zero, zero first downs. 
completely lights out performance. Yet, we only produce 10 points offensively. Normally, that wouldn't be so bad. And that would actually win the game, considering we technically shut them out for the second half. But then, Nebraska does the most absurdly incomprehensible thing by giving Michigan State seven free points with yet another special teams blunder. They call a punt, they call a punt right. The punt by Cherney goes wide left. And almost all of our team goes to the right side of the field, giving the Spartans' Jaden Reed an open field to score the only points they would score in the second half. Could have we gone down the field and scored with more than three minutes left in the game? Sure. But we do nothing because Martinez Mm -hmm. is always running for his life, and because of that, he misses open receivers, and we are always forced to improvise drives because Plans don't work so well when O-lines don't do their job. We get one last chance for a 45-second drive with two timeouts left, and we do nothing again. A perfect, and I mean a perfect, you could not ask a defense to do a better job in a second-half performance, but it is completely nullified by complete and total incompetence on our offensive discipline and our coaching decisions. We played well enough to overcome the penalties. We played mm-hmm. well enough to overcome our lack of offensive production. We played well enough to overcome our bad offensive line. We beat Michigan State across the board, but one major special teams mistake costs us the entire game. I don't blame Martinez for missing an open falk during overtime. I don't blame him for the interception either. Homie was running for his life the entire game and was forced to make constrained decisions and Mm -hmm. didn't have any time to go through his progressions and do what quarterbacks do, make sound and timely decisions. That's not on Martinez. That's on the offensive line. You can't force someone to run across the edge of a cliff with wind blowing towards the cliff and expect nothing catastrophic to happen. The O-line is that cliff. (laughs) Greg Mm -hmm. Austin has found himself also on the edge of a cliff by having essentially nothing to show for his career at Nebraska. There is a good reason why both Brendan Hymas and Matt Farniok left left the program to go to the NFL. When we retained our defensive front, they stayed, but our offensive line left. Yep. If If I'm not mistaken... One of those two offensive linemen has thrown shade at their previous coaching staff for the exact thing I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Something needs to change, and it starts with our offensive line and ends with our special teams. I'm going to go bold by making this last statement. With the way our team has performed collectively thus far in the 2021 season, aside from our offensive line and special teams, we could very well be 5-0 and going into week 5. We could be ranked in the top 10 right now. We could be in contention for the Big Ten West. We could be in contention to win the Big Ten. If we had even a B-rated offense and a good offensive line and a B-rated special teams, we could be in the discussion for a possible college football playoff spot and I shit you not with this. Like, if you look the way that we have performed, and if you and if you subtract 
or I guess you could say if you add a good performance on our offensive line, our special teams, everything else all comes together. This is how close we are, yet we are sitting at a 2-3 and three record and are going to be fighting tooth and nail to even get into a bowl game this year. I am beyond frustrated at this point, and something needs to change. Firing Frost, I don't think, is the answer to that, to that something that needs to change. But reorganizing our coaching staff is most mm-hmm. definitely where we should start. That's all I have to say. What I have to say about last night's game is not going to necessarily be a meta-narrative or an overall overview of the season as a whole because I don't think I could have said it any better than you just did. Uh, there's there's nothing else truly to say except um, this is just kind of my written s- summation of what happened last night mm-hmm. uh, because I tend to like to write and <laughs> you know me, I get wordy. Uh <laughs> I get that from you. So anyway, on a cool evening in East Lansing, Michigan, the Nebraska Cornhuskers marched into Spartan Stadium on a mission where for 60 minutes the Blackshirts administered a dominating beatdown to what had been a very prolific and balanced Spartan offense in the 2021 season so far. They once again showed just exactly how far they've come on that side of the ball. And they also showed just how far they have yet to go on the offensive line and especially on special teams. Leading 20-13 to 13 late in the fourth quarter and likely needing only one more stop on defense to secure Scott Frost's first top 25 win, I couldn't help but feel a sense of impending doom. Then, as the Huskers lined up to punt, it seemed the ghostly voice of King Leonidas roared from beyond the grave, <laughs> shouting, This is Sparty! And instead of kicking some Persian emissary into the well outside of Sparta, he channeled his sandaled foot into the right cleat of Daniel Cherney, resulting in a low, line-drive punt that sailed 40 yards to the left instead of to the right where the coverage was going. This gave the MSU return man a perfectly huge alley right up the right sideline for the tying touchdown. And even more proof that, yet again, the Big Red is gloriously adept at snatching defeat right out of the ravenous, slobbering jaws of victory. Of course, we end up in overtime, and uh, we all know that overtime games have gone swimmingly under frost so far. So... uh, a few minutes later, we saw the predictable results. A horrible turnover, a game-winning field goal for an MSU team that was out-yarded, out-played, dare I say, out-coached, and out-matched. And it leaves myself, Scott, and the rest of Husker Nation to ask a difficult but obvious question. Did somebody drink Joe Boo's rum? And that's all I got to say. Yeah, man, we we had a chance. We had a chance, and I want to make a correction. I mentioned in our last podcast, I said first top 25 win since 2015, and I failed to uh, like realize that we've had a top 25 win. That was in 2016 against Oregon, and where I got my uh, 
my statement mixed up is that it would be the first top 25 Big Ten win since yes. 2015. We haven't yes. seen a top 25 win against a Big Ten foe since 2015. And we had we had the win secured. All yeah. we had to do was punt the ball correctly to Michigan State. And our defense, I have the utmost confidence that they would have held their own. They would have yeah. done just fine because yeah. they proved the entire game that they were not going to budge. And all we needed to do was stop them within three minutes, force them to punt, and then we run out the clock and we win. That's all. That's all we had to do. Yep. And it is, it is what it is. It's just, you know what? I think, do we really even want to go quarter by quarter? Because I think we've stated everything that really needs to be stated. I think the game has been wrapped up in a nutshell. In my mind, there's really no reason to torture ourselves further. We saw what happened. Everybody that's listening to us saw what happened. Um, there's notable plays on both sides. There's special team screw-ups. I mean, Journey wasn't even supposed to punt last night. But Prista shanked two of them when the week before against the number three team in the country, he punted twice for 100 yards total. And then he couldn't get it beyond 30 yards last night. It just was... It's just so infuriating how inconsistent we are, uh, especially on special teams, because that's the one thing we have consistently going for us, is that should be special teams. But, hey, at least Connor <laughs> wasn't culpable in this loss. <laughs> no, he did his job. He finally found a groove and, and did what he needed to do. And if there was anything that I was actually hopeful going into the game, going into the, the final minutes of the fourth quarter, was that if our offense could have just culminated a 40 yard drive down inside of their 30, I had the utmost confidence that Hope was going to redeem. Yes, that he was going to redeem himself. And that goes against what I predicted last week going into this game was that was that Culp was going to be the reason why we weren't going to tie the game or weren't going to win the game. But he put himself in the position to prove himself. And our offense could not, I should say more specifically, our offensive line could not give our offense the momentum it needed in order to do what we needed to do to win the yeah, game. exactly. And, like, dude, like, <laughs> I, I think I mentioned this last week in our podcast. I was like... Do you think Mel Tucker is going to do a flea flicker again? <laughs> oh, the flea Tucker? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was and a 35-yarder. <laughs> yeah, and it Go was a figure. touchdown. It was a touchdown Nobody does starting a flea off the flicker inside the 50. Nobody, but fucking Mel Tucker did. Oh, he did and they did it perfectly. They caught oh, us with our pants God. down with it again. Had to laugh. And, and of course it was Britt, I think that got burned on it too. Yeah, yeah, dude, and I and I wrote in my notes, ha 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 ha, yeah. because that was the only thing I did was I just laughed. I laughed. My in laws were over watching the game with us, and I laughed. And I just told them I was like, "What's what's exceptionally funny about this is that this is exactly what he did to us when we played Colorado back in 2019. Yep, this is the exact same thing that happened and gave them the motivation." The Yep. the momentum that they needed to secure the game. 
um, mm-hmm. even though we were up on them 17 to nothing against Colorado. And Mel Tucker does that, which, I mean, give credit to our defense. That was the last time that they saw the end zone yeah. for the rest of the game. That was the last time they saw the end zone. And, yep. oh, man, dude, Betts, he had a great game. Betts had a great game. He was he was finding Allen finding was himself good. open. Local had a good game. Yeah, and credit to Martinez. He threaded some needles yeah, every once in a while. Getting getting balls to guys, but at the same time, dude, oh my gosh, there were so many overthrown so many overthrown balls I that counted Martinez at least did four it. that would have been would have been first downs for sure, if not scoring plays a couple times. Uh the one the one that he threw just slightly behind Morrison inside the twenty, uh that Morrison should have caught. I mean it was in his hands. He should have caught it, but Martinez puts that even slightly a yard further out in front of him. I think Morrison scores. Oh yes. So uh, he only had know, like and, a safety to beat. Yep. Because and the corner was already was already sold on one of our blocked. other receivers, yep. and our receiver was blocking him. Yeah, Morrison would have if he if he didn't score, he would have put us right down within five yards of the end zone. Yep. I mean, it just was. Oh, it was just a a night where dude, you just saw many great plays. And especially on defense all night, just so many great play, play after play. And it looked like, and tell me if you think this, because you probably saw it in the notes earlier. There was twice that they had to review a play for targeting. And they ended up reversing it and saying it wasn't targeting. And both of them were the exact same thing. Shoulder pad to the other guy's head. We didn't lead with the head at all. Used the shoulder pad, but it seemed like, and credit to the those refs, refs I'll give them credit. It seemed like they were targeting NU to try to find targeting calls. And then when oh, they yes. looked at the video evidence, they didn't have enough to actually say there was targeting, so they ended up picking up the flags. God bless them for that. But damn, I mean, really, <laughs> shoulder pad, Dude. granted, I think they have to look at plays that are bang-bang like that that look that way, but at the same time, it shouldn't have took them that long to realize it wasn't targeting. So it just and, is and it's dude, frustrating. I, and this is this is like reaching a little bit further than what I think is acceptable. This is all just judgment, 100% just judgment on the on the uh, the uh, refing staff, crew, whatever right. you want to call them. Um, when they did announce that it wasn't targeting, both times they sounded almost sad. They were like, yep. Turns out, not targeting. You know, they said it with like a begrudging, like, ah, oh, man, we couldn't get them. Um, and yeah, maybe that's just my... Yeah, they sounded disappointing. They sounded yes, disappointed. Maybe, they sounded disappointed. And maybe that's just my PTSD from like how many times targeting calls have gone against Nebraska <laughs> in just like the most BS manner. Um, it's just, it was like one of those yeah. just... Uh, one of those like are you serious are you serious but it, you know hey they didn't actually get them for targeting and if they would have like it would have been the most egregious refing calls humanly possible so yep. good thing they didn't um but then on top of that there was a uh, other penalties that we can talk about just what the fuck is wrong with our offensive line like just across the board the penalties, man. Like, 
false starts on like every single guy all spread mm-hmm. out all like at different times and i mean yes they had a crowd of 70,000 they were being loud they were being obnoxious but like you shouldn't be making those mental errors on the offensive line you just shouldn't it's unacceptable right and yeah i think it was like four offensive line false starts out of the seven penalties so accounting for more than half of our penalties were just on the offensive line alone yeah yeah it just was it was what it was it's what it's what it's been all year expecting it to change now is kind of expecting a lot i mean and as i've said in the notes and you said it in your in your um opening statement that you know in my mind unless the o-line drastically improves between now and the end of the year i believe austin's job needs to be on the line um i also believe frost needs to stop being so fucking stubborn and drop a coach down to a, a an analyst role on the offense and hire a full-time special teams coach get somebody yeah. in there somebody like a sean snyder who's probably going to be available at the end of the year when usc hires a new head coach and he's like the best in the business. And the only reason he went to SC instead of coming here as our analyst was because they offered him more cash. So, hey, you know what? Verdusco, you're great. You're a quarterback whisperer. You're awesome. But you know what? Frost's been coaching the quarterbacks too. Or, you know what? Mr. Lubick, you don't need to be the wide receiver's coach or whatever. I mean, I don't think he's taking up two coaching spots by being wide receiver and offensive coordinator. But, um, you know, holy crap, who can we drop? Maybe you take Mike Dawson and you you, uh, make him your full-time special teams coach and you have Rude coaching the outside linebackers along with somebody like Tony Tuioti because technically our outside linebackers are basically defensive ends. So they're being coached kind of like defensive ends. So why do we need a separate coach just for that? Maybe Dawson's good at special teams, and if he had his full attention on it, we might be in better shape starting next year. But I don't think there's any way this team gets any better, even going into next year. If Austin's still on staff and this offensive line doesn't improve by the end of this season, and if we don't have a special teams coordinator that's full-time devoted to making sure that side, that part of the game is uh, at least solid, for God's sakes. We're not even shitty. <laughs> we're worse no. than shitty on special teams, and it's like we're the worst in the country, and and that is why we lose. More than anything, that's why we lose. Um, so I think I'm done. I don't want to rehash any more of the Michigan State crap because, uh, good God, talk about wasting an absolutely brilliant performance by the black shirts. Um, yeah, just... Sad, uh, the, but we can only, look at the, the final stats anyway if you want. I was just going to say the last thing I wanted to say is that I hope that there are some locker room corrections mm-hmm. performed by our leaders on our defense and leaders on our offense that you can't – yes, it is, it is the responsibility of the coaching staff to – establish proper order amongst their subordinates of what they're supposed to be doing on the field. But damn, like our, I hope that our defense 
and our def- just our entire defensive guys, like all of our guys on defense, just absolutely rip into our offensive line. Like in practice, yeah. in the locker room, I don't care. They need to have some self-correction. They need to get in each other's business, and they need to start calling each other out. Yeah, because, that, like you said, the the offense wasted a perfect defensive performance. Yeah, perfect, absolutely perfect. You could not ask a defense to play a better game. I mean, you could, but you'd be kind of out of your damn mind to do so. I would take <laughs> exactly. that. I would take that Ooh. defensive performance in every single game that we play for the rest of the season. That's how damn good it was. So we can't. We can't just expect the offensive staff to do all of the corrections. If our guys know what they're doing, then they need to start correcting each other on it. Yep, um, I agree. And maybe they don't know what they're doing. And if they don't know what they're doing, by process of elimination, get somebody. Bye, can. bye, Greg Austin. Bye, yep. bye. See ya, dude. Pack your shit, get out because this is just unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. Yes, indeed, because, so, yeah, you look at the final stats and every single one of them, top to bottom, indicates that Nebraska won by at least two scores. There's no reason you wouldn't have won by at least two scores when you look at total offense of 442 yards compared to 254 yards for Michigan State, uh, through for 255, which was a little below what Michigan State was giving up, and I think a lot of that was due to the fact that they got to Martinez seven f***ing times. Uh, they only passed for 183 uh, rush yards for them was 71. As we mentioned earlier, rushing for us, I have no idea how the hell we managed 187 yards, but we did. Um, 26 first downs compared to 12. Uh, two turnovers to one, one of them being in overtime, which ultimately set up the final score for Michigan State. Six penalties for 40 yards. They had five for 45. And the time of position, holy sh. We held the ball for an entire quarter longer than they did. There's no reason we're on the under other wrong side of a score. No flipping yep. reason. And, you know, is what it is. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we do have some players of the game, some guys that really knocked it out of the park other than some interceptions that we really wish we he – I know he wishes he could have back, but we both have Adrian as our offensive player on the game. And yep. that's kind of what he's been for his whole career, the go-to dude on offense. And that's just a crying freaking shame that he's just not had that much more support around him. I think he's got dudes on the outside now. Problem is the interior can't keep him clean. They can't keep him yep. on his feet. They can't keep him to where he's got time to have eyes downfield. Hell, I think they protected him better against Oklahoma than they did against Michigan State, you know, yep. as evidenced by all the sacks. So, and then on defense, I've, Definitely got the defensive line uh, just because those linebackers were able to run all over the place. That defensive line just ate up a lot of space last night, and that was really impressive with the exception of DeAndre Thomas's uh, early personal foul Blunder. on that sack that he should have yeah. had just as a sack, but is what it is. Can't WWE people anymore. Used to be able to tackle nope. like that, but you can't anymore. So, And your defensive side for player of the game? Yeah, I have, well, pretty much what you said, the whole defensive line wins player of the game, but more notably, or I guess equally 
on a notable uh, realm of things. Luke Reimer, just still, just just outstanding performance from the guy. He yep. was all over the place, had 11 tackles, 6 solo, and he's just having a great season with 38 total tackles. 38 total tackles shared and solo um yeah it's it's been an outstanding game and with martinez being the offensive player of the game i know that there are still people out there who claim that martinez sucks and i was one of those guys i was one of those guys i've been that guy before where i'm like martinez is not the guy he's not the guy but after this season seeing the way he's played considering the context of not having any offensive line support at all like this dude would be incredible to watch if he could just sit in the pocket and be comfortable there because there were people saying on facebook saying like why doesn't he just sit in the pocket when when it's not collapsing well because he's used to it collapsing you can't expect somebody (laughs) to just to just assume that the pocket's gonna stay are going to stay like open for him to make yep. plays when more than half the time it's not just because of the pockets fine one play doesn't mean that he hasn't had the experience of it collapsing around him every play pre- uh, previous to that mm-hmm. and so martinez is just he's played lights out this season like yeah. the only like he's had that one fumble which was boneheaded and he threw that interception uh in overtime that was also boneheaded, but I can't blame the guy. I can right. I, I can blame him for the Illinois game. That was just that was an undisciplined decision, and he should have mm-hmm. wrapped up the ball and protected it. But that interception, I mean, you put him not only on the back of his heels; he was practically falling off of the metaphorical cliff, like I said earlier. <laughs> he was already yep. falling off of the cliff. You can't like he was trying to make something happen, and yeah, it, yeah, you know, like. Uh, and the, I guess uh, I would say that uh, Betts, Xavier Betts, if if he if we can get a good offensive line in the next year or two, and Smothers mm-hmm. Smothers can actually hash out as a good reliable quarterback with Harburg right behind him, and then hopefully uh, with uh, Torres Torres's injury uh, during his senior season right now in high school, if he can recover from that. We have a, just yeah. an incredible potential for a wide receiving room, dude. They were they were open like the whole game. There was always like one receiver who was wide open, like on almost every play. Yep. But Martinez wasn't able to follow through with his progressions to find the open guy because the the there wasn't even a pocket. Let's not even say the pocket was collapsing because there wasn't a pocket to begin with. Oh, yeah. dude, yeah. I know we're just going on rant city here, but yeah, dude, it is like, what it is. Um, yeah. But after, after last week against OU, I was reserving my judgments. Cause like I said, last week, this is going to be the true test. This is going to be what we're going to know about our team's ability to succeed this year. Yep. And we found a way to lose in the worst way possible and yep. that's that's well, pretty much the perfect summary of the game. We found the worst way to lose possible. On the plus side, you know, you got two points because they scored 23. Exactly 23 Because <laughs> you points. took the number. You took the number on plus minus, so you got the two points. We're tied at 4-4. Four to four. I had three passing TDs by Martinez. Of course, there were none, so you took the minus. I took the number. 
technically, you could probably get a point for that. In fact, you could. You should. So you took the minus. We got no passing TDs. Uh, so you actually lead 5-4. to four. I hadn't even thought hey, of that. Hey, that, that was a comeback. That was a comeback. Why do I get two points? So, what, is it because, is it because I guess the number? When you take the number? number, when we do a plus minus and you take the number, instead of ask, going with plus or minus, you get two points for that. And if you're correct, you get two points for that. Oh, okay. So Nice. Um, but if you take the plus or minus and you're correct, you only get one. So that's why I've been liking to take the number all year long, just hoping it hits and I get two points. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like doubling Fair. down or splitting a pair of aces when you're playing blackjack. <laughs> so let's move on to Northwestern, the next game that we're both going to pick Nebraska to lose. Um, a <laughs> little bit of <laughs> little, sneak peek, spoiler guys. alert. <laughs> so spoiler alert. Um, yeah, you've got some notes here on Northwestern on their last game. So why don't you go go ahead with those? Yeah, so Northwestern, they are not having a great year this year. Um, they are definitely on one of those predictable down years uh, that yeah. Pat Fitzgerald seems to have a cycle of up years and down years, which, I mean, with what he's able to do with the talent that he gets, I mean, it's amazing that he doesn't have all down years, but that just proves what kind of coach he is. He's just excellent at keeping his guys uh focused on the future and not getting too beat up by themselves but they right. ended up uh they ended up beating uh downtrodden ohio um since frank solich left ohio ohio has just kind of gone on a downward downward spiral i think that they're like oh and four for the season at this point that's ohio that i'm speaking about and uh yeah, Northwestern, even though they beat Ohio 35-6, to their stat line, aside from their rushing, was pretty atrocious. Um, I think they were on their third string, their third string quarterback. Um, what's his name? What's his name? Ryan Halinski. Oh, yeah, um, transfer from South Carolina, right? Yes, yes, South Carolina transfer because Hunter Johnson's ineffectiveness – and uh, their second string, Andrew Marty, had a late injury in last week's um, game against Duke, placed their starting quarterback role in the hands of Ryan Holinsky, who hmm. started a game for the first time since 2019. So he is definitely fresh, fresh off the bench. Um, and he finished with 12 of 20 passings with no touchdowns, no interceptions, and on the ground-running game, Northwestern <clears throat> rushed for 300, 373 yards. Like, that was their entire offense, that game. So pretty one-dimensional, mm -hmm. um, including major contributions from Evan Hull, who had 216 yards for 22 carries, Andrew Clare, 71 yards on eight carries, and Anthony Tyus, the third with 51 yards on 11 carries um moving to their defensive side of just kind of notable notable things is that uh chris burgeon led all defenders with 15 tackles followed by brandon joseph and coco azima um, with seven and six each so altogether a typical down year northwestern 
they they're usually only one dimensional when they're on their down years and it's usually through the running game um and usually they have a pretty pretty salty defense even on their down years they have pretty salty defense yeah they always do um Fitzy was awfully salty as a linebacker himself and he's always instilled that in his teams um so yeah when you compare the when you compare the offenses and the defenses they're strikingly similar uh, with the exception of the fact that Nebraska's offense averages almost 100 yards per game more at 473 compared to 388. Uh, passing yards is over 100 yards more, obviously, thanks to Hunter Johnson's ineffectiveness, <laughs> 275 to 174. But we're close on rushing, 198 to 214. So they have the edge there. And then scoring offense, we're 27.6 points to 25.8 points. Uh, and then defenses are strikingly similar as well with 327 yards given up total per game by the black shirts and the uh fighting fitzgeralds give up a total of 396.5 per game uh passing yards for nebraska is at 188 rushing 139 giving up 17.2 points per game whereas they're giving up 210 yards through the air 186 on the ground and 20 points per game so they're close, and it would say that there's a reason. I, I I look at these numbers and I go, I'm not exactly sure why the hell we're favored by 10 points, much less why we've got an over-under of about 50 except for the offensive scoring. But still, I, I don't think I'd take the over. I think I'd certainly take the under, and I would bet that, um, that uh, it's not going to be a 10-point spread at all. So for me... Uh, keys to victory would be that martinez needs to stay healthy and he needs to keep running because <laughs> he's the only one who can yep. at this point uh i think the defense has to score a td or they have to get us in scoring position like reimer did against buffalo that kind of got that game out of range uh took away the hope that whatever buffalo had was gone at that point and then as a result of that we've got to get up by at least two scores once we get up by two scores we're better than we are in one score games obviously so those are my three keys i know you've got some as well yeah dude looking at the average rushing yardage for northwestern being at 214 average per game versus our 198 um that statistic changes significantly if they don't have their 373 yard performance yes against sir ohio um, so just looking at that one differential, I mean, offensively, we have, we have all of the advantage over Northwestern, but whether or not we can actually perform against their, their substantially salty defense. Um, yeah, man, the, the keys that I have to beating Northwestern, if we can even do that is kind of what you said with black black shirts uh scoring a touchdown but more so on the offensive side of things that if we can capitalize offensively off of our defensive performances that's gonna that's gonna pay dividends in the long run of this game against northwestern which if trends follow trends northwestern has our number every single year it's always Uh, a rock fight it's always yeah. It's always a it's it's always a fist fight. We're always going down to the wire against Northwestern. Aside from maybe one or two games since we joined the Big Ten that were were decided by more than seven points, 
Um, yeah, we got to capitalize off of our defensive performance on the offensive side of the ball. That's my number one key if we can do something on offense. And then to go with that, my second key to victory is Martinez finding open receivers. I know, with our offensive line constantly collapsing and giving him literally no time to go through his progressions, that's really hard, a really hard ask. And I think our defense, or the defenses that we played are keen into that by making sure that they're reading, you know, you read left to right. So as long as you've got those first two receivers to his left covered, we're good. Very true. Yep. If, so uh, we've got to find a way to stack all of our receivers on the left side of the field and have some weird play calls, some really <laughs> weird ones that are misdirectional, crossing each other, moving in, in weird, unpredictable ways that keeps that defensive side on the left side of the field guessing. Um, that's And that's how Martinez finds open receivers. That's We have to play against our weaknesses. And if our offensive line is a weakness, find a way to show Martinez open receivers. That's yep. That's that's what we need. And then uh, my number three is we have to keep Northwestern one-dimensional. Obviously, they've been one-dimensional all season, but the last thing that we need to do is give them some weird offensive motivation to have a great passing game because we assume that they're only going to be one-dimensional on the running game, and so we are mm-hmm. playing – ticky tack on our defensive backside and our cornerbacks like we have to keep them one-dimensional we have to keep them only with a running game and i have the utmost confidence that our defense can show up and stop them with the run game um obviously special teams and offensive line play would be keys but uh <laughs> that doesn't look like that will happen this year so why even waste my breath on that they always so, leave those keys in the locker yes they never bring them out (laughs) they they don't and so yep those are my keys to victory um yeah i i don't think there's much else to say about it i'm with you i'm with you on that so what's your score prediction what do you think's going to happen in Uh, a couple minutes or less if at all possible (laughs) unless you want me to go first no i can i can I can cap this off here. Um, yeah, I think that we're incredibly we're we're really close to Northwestern when it comes to uh, statistical performance. Um, aside from that little weird nuance of the fact that if you remove their 373 yards against Ohio, it really changes their running statistics. But we statistically are close, but we actually have, I think, an edge over them um removing that one factor um dude yeah i just can't i can't pick us to win though that's the thing i can't it's it's at that point where i don't i don't foresee us winning the rest of our games at all like i really don't um i know joel clatt stated that we're gonna pick we're gonna get an upset against the michigan ohio state wisconsin or iowa but at this point i don't see that happening um it's just not something I want to pick, and in painful fashion, mm-hmm. I'm going to predict uh, Northwestern beats us 23 to 20. <laughs> and yes. I know that that sounds, I know that sounds really familiar, really familiar, but 
That yeah. the reason why I'm picking that is well because it's it's under the over under, and uh, yep. the the funniest part is that that would be the most Nebraska thing. I mean, dude, be saying Nebraska has become an adjective at this point. Like it's a yep. descriptor to just bad luck, and yep. nothing would say that's the most Nebraska way to lose than to lose back to back league back to back weeks twenty three to twenty. Are you predicting it's going to happen in overtime, too? Ah, uh, you know what? <laughs> Let's just add salt to the wound. Let's say it is in overtime. Yeah. We go to overtime again. And, uh, yeah, Northwestern wins 23-20. to 20. What do yeah. you think, Dad? Well, as you said, we're so doggone close to them statistics-wise. Uh, all the on paper, it looks like we should win, and it looks like uh, the odds makers are saying – they seem to think there's still a home field advantage. I'm curious, how many people show up on Saturday? Do we even see 82, 83,000? Is it going to be another quote-unquote sellout? I don't even know if they've technically called this one a sellout yet or not. Um, I know they're going to do the roll out the red carpet thing for the underprivileged youth uh, for any home games, which I think is absolutely awesome. But I've Really, I'm like you. I've got zero confidence in us winning. And I cannot pick us to win a Big Ten game for the rest of the year until we can win one. When we play well enough to do so and actually freaking finish. Then I'll start thinking, rethinking my picks for the rest of the year. But kind of like you, starting on Saturday, I'm just going with the idea that we're not going to win another game this year. And I know last week I said, yeah, we still could do 6-6, six and 7-3. Six, and three. But, uh, you know, that's before um, our O-line and our special teams did exactly what I expected them to do. And God, I hate. I hate that I expected that to happen. Uh, So I say that turnovers and special teams will cost us once again, negating another stellar black shirt performance because I don't think they're going to quit. 20-17 Northwestern. So, God, this sucks. Um... Strangely enough, as hard as this episode is to do right now, um, I'm surprised that we're kind of upbeat at the same time. You know what I mean? We're kind of therapeutic, man. We're laughing. We're doing some therapy. I mean, you know, it is what it is. So let's jump into our plus minus for the Michigan State game. And I have a confession. I didn't even look to see if anybody played plus minus this last week or not. Chances are they didn't. Uh, but you're still more than welcome to jump onto facebook.com slash 10 Find the plus minus thread and throw your answers in the comments. Um, my plus minus is 150 yards rushing by the ne- Nebraska offense. Uh, the fact that they went over 180 against Michigan State with that offensive line performance truly surprised me. Man, I know these linebackers for Fitzgerald are so stinking disciplined in their run fits. I'm going to go the minus. I'm going to say we don't get to 150 yards. Um, What do you think? I want to pick the minus because I just think that one of the things that Northwestern can key on is the run defense on their defensive side of the ball, Um, especially with their outstanding performance against Ohio. They might be able to uh, uh, key in some sort of defensive strategy to mm-hmm. i mean if if 
if any coach is worth their salt, they can look at our atrocious offensive line and scheme almost a limitless amount of defensive blitzes and uh, weird fake fake tells, false false blitzes, whatever. I mean, they have just just open range, open season Mm -hmm. with uh, how to stop our our rushing attack. Um, So I'm actually going to go right i'm gonna i'm gonna go bold i'm gonna say right at 150 yards okay. to keep us to 150 because um, i can't in good conscience go over um but since i i'm gonna go off of my luck streak of the last over under which i <laughs> guess i predicted exactly 23 points scored by michigan state so let's go with that let's let's go with that trend see if i can get you know lucky in the worst way possible um twice in a row um yeah and so that goes into my plus or minus and i i I have a trend this year with my plus or minus is that they're very uh degrading to nebraska's performances Um, but that's just the i mean that's easy money man i mean it's really easy to predict misfortunes on nebraska so why not (laughs) stick with it um i'm gonna go with uh plus or minus three sacks on adrian martinez because obviously i dude i don't even know how many times has martinez been sacked this year it's got to be at least plus 15 like at yeah, least 15, i don't know i'd, ha- I'd have to look times. it up i don't know i know it was seven yeah I don't yesterday know and it was what five against ou so and yeah. i know he's gone down went down a number of times against buffalo so yeah it would be plus 15 <laughs> yeah pretty plus. easy so yeah it'd be easy to predict at least three on saturday what number are you going with you going over or under uh i'm going to go over on this okay. and i'm i'm just gonna leave it at that it's gonna yep. be over um yeah because if there's anything that northwestern is good at it's doing something on defense and if if there's anything that fitzgerald could do that is scheming a defensive plan to get past our offensive line and pressure Martinez the entire game. Um, but who knows? Yeah, know. that would be my that would be my instinct as well. That if you didn't pick the plus, I would have. Uh, but now I can't. So now I'm going to have to go. Oh shoot! The number makes a lot more sense than the minus. So I'm going to go with the number. I'm going to go with with the three. Uh, so, and then we will see what happens. So that pretty much wraps up our preview of Northwestern. Let's move on to our facts segment, even though I've got it labeled as fun. It's not exactly fun because again, it's related to the previous game. Uh, cause I really don't have any more facts about me that I think are worthy of noting. Um, but a fun fact from last night is the fact that I have a great wife and I went into a complete hissy fit at the end of the game. Um, she's really the reason that we are even recording this episode because I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I, I was just too damn mad um, and texted Scott, texted everybody in the family, Fuck it, I'm not doing a podcast, blah, 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 and just was some really childish shit. So she dropped some really harsh truth on me after I went on a complete completely bombastic and horrible rant against the team at the top of my lungs, which sent poor Chip 
hauling ass out of the room. And, uh, then he came back and scolded me after I calmed down. It was pretty funny. He comes back in the room. He just, he just looks at me and he goes, you know, he sounds like an old man who's pissed. And he was. He was an old dog who's pissed at me for making him scared. So uh, thank God for my wife. She keeps me grounded because she kind of looked at me and she goes, okay, fine, fine. Then you need to rename your truck. You need to get rid of all your Husker gear. You need to get rid of all this, that, and the other, not do the podcast anymore. Blah, 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 blah. Are you willing to do that? And I'm like, no. Then you got to do the damn podcast. Buck up, son. You know, and I'm like, eh, okay. So God bless her. She keeps me grounded. Uh, it's not exactly fun, but that is definitely a fact, at least about yesterday. So here I am recording. And actually, as painful as it is to talk about the game, it's actually been quite a bit of fun to uh, be snarky for a change. <laughs> so yes. You're, you are, you've got a couple of cool ones. So go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, offer my uh, my relatability there. Uh, Kelsey, my wife, she uh, she did a great job uh, last night. She doesn't watch football, doesn't care for it, doesn't even understand it to any any degree. I'm trying to ed- you know I'm trying to educate her, you know, kind of get yeah. her a little bit more uh, aware of of how football works. Um, but we'll see how that works. But she uh, she was very good last night. She. She she just offered her I mean she like I said she doesn't know much about football but even she was like yeah that that is the most unfortunate loss that you could possibly imagine <laughs> um and I mean I predicted it I I said it out loud I was like watch special teams is just going to screw something up and they're going to get a touchdown like well you from need special to stop teams. doing that then because i predicted that we desperately needed a turnover in the buffalo game and boom rhymers drills one and then you predict that special teams is going to screw us and what do you know it happened so um anyway all right go on into yeah fun facts thank god for kelsey and wanda they're great wives better than we deserve pretty much um yeah so my first fun fact uh is that i am going to the northwestern game kelsey's coming with me um so hopefully hopefully that's worth my while um i actually have three games i'm going to the rest of the season i was going to pick up ohio state tickets but at this point i don't want to torture myself with that so probably not going to happen um but i'm going to the northwestern game and then looking forward to the season i am going to be going to the michigan game the following week uh, my little brother is going to be coming with me to that one. And then I cap off the season by going to the Iowa game. So I guess I just hate myself because I'm just going yeah. to be miserable for all of those games. <laughs> but, uh, who knows? Let's keep our fingers crossed. Maybe, maybe we'll win out there, you know, ha 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 ha. But, um, that's not really the fun fact I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to, uh, mention that. But, uh, my fun fact is that my motorcycle project Project V-Star is in full effect at this point. Um, I acquired a free, and I mean free, motorcycle um, due to some misfortunate events of the property that I work at where somebody abandoned a motorcycle, and because it was in non-running condition and looked like complete and total garbage, it was uh, valued at less than $1,000, and by nebraska state policy of abandoned property it doesn't need to be auctioned off and doesn't need to be given to the state so it was basically 
it was basically given to the property that I work for, what to whatever the heck they wanted to do with it, whether they scrap it, sell it, auction it, fully up to them, and they gave us maintenance guys kind of dibs on it. The uh, the two one of the guys who had dibs on it um, shows up to look at the motorcycle, uh, sees a giant oil leak underneath the motorcycle, like just a gigantic puddle of, of oil underneath it, and chickens out. He's like, it's got to be a cracked engine. It's got to be something wrong with the seal or something. I don't know. Don't want to deal with it. Don't want to tow it out of here. Um, and so he was like, Scott, do you want the motorcycle? I was like, yep, I'll take it because worst case scenario is I get scrap metal from it um, or sell it to somebody who wants to work on it, whatever. Turns out uh, it was just a loose oil plug. So <laughs> loose oil plug le- uh, leaked uh, oil all over the place, and so it's super simple. Um, at this point, I have the ignition removed from the motorcycle. It's at a lock and key shop here in Lincoln, and I'm picking up a newly minted set of keys tomorrow. Uh, I went and got a new battery because the battery had been sitting for over a year and took it in to get it tested. Turns out it has dead cells, so that's useless. Spent about 100 bucks getting a new battery. I've got all new oil. I've got final drive oil ready to swap out. Got a new oil filter, um, and my plan is tomorrow night because it's Sunday here. Um, when we're recording tomorrow night, I'm going to culminate all of those things together and see if she runs, which I would presume it runs because it's a 2006 Kawasaki V-Star 650 and only has 13,800 miles on it, which is very low considering its age. Um, over, yeah, over 15 years old, only has 13,000 miles. That's damn good. So... I always I thought assume... the V-Stars were Yamaha. Maybe I'm crazy. Did I... Did I... Oh, said it... Kawasaki. I think that's Yamaha, isn't it? I think I think you're actually right here. You got me all all messed up. Because, yeah, it's uh, Yamaha. Kawasaki's I didn't mean to say... Vulcan. Yeah. Yes. I did not mean to say... <laughs> I did not mean to say Kawasaki. No, good thing you corrected me because, yeah, that was a, that was a blunder on my part. Um, it's a Yamaha... Yamaha. So uh, we'll see if it runs tomorrow. Um, and if it does, I'm going to spend the rest of this winter time restoring it. I got to repaint it. Got to do some work on the exhaust. Make sure that it's all calibrated correctly with the carburetor. Probably take the carburetor off, and we'll need some TLC with some carburetor cleaners so that those actual carbs open and close as they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And uh, have a fun little project bike. That'll be um, fun. But yeah, so I'm I'm super stoked about that. Can't beat free, even though I'm gonna end up spending well over five hundred dollars on restorative <laughs> type of things, um, maybe even close to a thousand, depending on how uh, how much detail I want to go into. Sure. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, pretty pretty stoked about that. That's a that's a plus side of my life at this moment. Um, and cool. I think that's. I think that's a good place to end this this therapy session that we've had. We're that's a little right. Bit over that's an hour. right. We hope we hope you've enjoyed <laughs> as best you possibly can this particular podcast. Um, we have certainly gotten ourselves to feeling better, and who knows, maybe we're completely wrong on the Northwestern game, and we'll be even more enjoyable next week. Uh, but 
uh, I don't know, I kind of like our snarky version. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know where to find us, or in case you don't, uh, we do have a website, genredpod.com. You can subscribe to the show right there. There's some links to the most popular podcast apps. Click the link, takes you to our show page. You can subscribe. And, of course, you can find us in any podcast app that you like to use. Uh, we have social media, facebook.com slash genredpod, where you can play the plus minus game, or we're also on Twitter at genredpod. Look us up on YouTube, Generation Red Live, where we will begin live streaming and likely belching into our microphones live on camera for you to watch. Um, I sure hope so. Starting in January of 2022, please play the plus minus game on facebook.com slash genredpod, because, yeah, nice. <laughs> Uh, good push. Uh, then you can have a chance to win the opportunity to be on the live stream with us at least a couple times leading up to the season. And any other questions, concerns, or suggestions can be sent to genrpodcast at gmail.com where they, where they will be largely ignored. <laughs> anyway, uh, we appreciate you all watching or listening. Good God, watching. Wow. Um we do. We appreciate all the downloads we've been getting. This has been awesome. We're slowly growing, getting some momentum, and you guys are the reason. Uh, hopefully we keep getting better at what we do. And uh, anyway, for Scott and myself, together we're Generation Red. We really appreciate you all very much. And uh, we're here to remind you every single week that Iowa's corn still sucks and will always suck. And there's no place like Nebraska. <sighs> Go... Big Red, I guess. <laughs> Go Big Red. Beat Northwestern, please. <laughs> Talk to y'all next week. Bye. This podcast is not associated in any official capacity with the University of Nebraska or the Cornhusker football team. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts alone and are intended for entertainment purposes only. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Stay sweet and salty and go Big Red.